Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and my special guest today is award-winning principal and author, Derek McCoy. Derek was named a 2014 National Digital Principal of the Year and currently serves as Director of Innovation and Learning for Grady County Schools in Georgia. He's also the co-author of a fantastic book entitled the revolution. It's time to empower change in our schools. This was a great conversation, folks. It's Derek McCoy is the real deal. He's truly an inspirational leader. And this episode, he provides a wealth of information on how you can move your school and classroom to a more student-centered environment. Just a quick reminder, folks, that you can now sign up for the Reimagined Schools newsletter. Just go to the website, reimaginedschools.net, or you can also find the link on my Twitter page, at Dr. Greg Goins. As always, I want to hear from you. So if you could, continue to share out episodes with your friends and colleagues. And if you have suggestions or advice on uh, future episodes, hit me up. I want to hear from you. Just DM me on Twitter, or you can always find me on email at drgreggoins at gmail.com. As always, thank you to all of our loyal listeners for making this such a wonderful experience for me as your host, here on the Reimagined Schools podcast. With that, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Derek McCoy. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Have another great show for you today as I'm bringing in award-winning middle school principal and author Derek McCoy. How are you, Derek? I'm doing great this evening, Greg. How are you doing? How's everybody doing this evening? Fantastic. I've really been looking forward to talking with you. I'm a big fan of your work at the middle school level. And then you have a a fantastic book out there that we're going to talk about uh, here in just a just a little bit. But how what kind of school year are you having there in Georgia? So we're having a great school year. Um, I moved back to Georgia last year after 13 years and 13 great years in North Carolina to a middle school here. And then um, towards the end of, at the end of the last school year, my superintendent says, Derek, um, I know I brought you here to help uh, move this school dis- move this school to another level, but we want you to do it for the school district. So this year I started off, I'm the director of learning and innovation for our school district. Um, we're, I am helping, it's so cool. I miss the school like no other, don't get me wrong. But it's so cool to be able to help other te- a lot of other teachers see the value and the, the benefit of changing our mindsets about teaching and learning and really not, and, and, and looking at resources. And I don't want to say technology. I would say looking at resources to help really put the learner first and then showcasing what learners can do and then bring in uh, talent. So I'm, I'm so thankful for this job. It's, it's great stuff. And I'm meeting some great people. And and I'm embracing this, this new role. 
You know, a lot of times we think of working with middle school students, you kind of get a, a little bit of an eye roll there when you tell them you work in a middle school, <laughs> because that can be a challenge, challenging bunch of kids. But I know you're very passionate about that age group. And, and it's interesting because um, they're young enough that they still are going to um, value those teacher led conversations, yet they're young enough and they're innocent enough that they're starting to formulate some of their own thoughts and opinions. And you're in a perfect position there at the middle school level to kind of, um, you know, lead their thought process moving forward. So just talk about working with those kids. Great. You, uh, thank you so much for that tee up. That is, that's awesome. Because truly that is my passion. Um, and, and before I get in deep, I want to give some shout outs to uh, Darren L. Wayne, who's the co-author of our book, the revolution. I'm gonna, and, and revolution is, uh, we'll talk talk a lot about the revolution, particularly with middle schoolers. Um, I'm going to shout out to NASSP who helped who, who has helped with their middle school message, and then recently with AMLE uh, hooking up with them and and what they do to help talk about the middle level learners. But yes, um, we when Darren and I wrote, my good friend Darren and I wrote the revolution. We initially started out; it was going to be the revolution starts in the middle. That was going to be the name of the book. Um, but we, we decided to go to a bigger audience, but we didn't take anything out about the middle school because truly the re our revolutionary practices and thinking can start in the middle and we can, and we can, we can change. I think we can change the whole K-12 learning scape by looking and focusing on what we're thinking and how we're limiting. That's the piece, how we're limiting middle school learners, because we have this uh, fear and this and this accepted norm that hormonal monsters, you know, uh, they're out of control. If you give them a little bit, then the wheels will fall off everything. And that's not the case. You know, if, if, you, if we're honest enough, to, if we're honest and look at it, they're not out of control. They, they have passion. That's what it is. They have gone from elementary school, adults telling them what to do, and now they're forming their own. They're really forming their own thoughts and their opinions. They're seeing what they're good at or they, what they want to be good at. And then they come to a typical middle school where we put in so much structure and restraint that we want them to fit in a box. When we should be, tap, when we should be courageous enough, be revolutionary enough to, to tap in like, hey, what are you passionate about? What do you want to do? If, if, we could, if, if I could let you uh, tap into your passion to teach this standard, what would you want to do? When we, when we start thinking like that and truly take an evolutionary, revolutionary approach to middle school learning um, and personalization and tapping into their strengths and creativity, we'll see a lot different. So obviously that message about middle school applies to K-12. You know, it, it's, it's everywhere. Um, because we're talking about passion-based learning, we're talking about letting students demonstrate their learning in different ways. Um, but really it's about adults getting out of the way of of learners and we can't be afraid to do that at the middle school level um as a matter of fact we're darren and i are of the same mind and just fervent opinion that we're just we are preventing ourselves from being amazed at what middle school uh, learners can do and what k-12 learners can do 
And the book we're making reference to, the name of it is The Revolution, It's Time to Empower Change in Our Schools. Uh, Derek is a co-author with Darren Elwin from uh, South Dakota, also a middle school principal. It's a fantastic read, folks, and it needs to be part of your professional library. So uh, jump on Amazon or wherever books are sold and be sure to check that one out, especially we've got the holidays coming up. So that'd be a great Christmas present for uh, that educator in your life. But, you know, Derek, I've heard you say before that the middle school level is uh, maybe a perfect spot for uh, the change process. And that makes a lot of sense to me because at the elementary school, it's about learning basic skills. And then we know at the high school level, it's really, unfortunately, it's, it's about college ready in a lot of places, but the middle school just seems to be a great breeding, breeding ground for innovation. And uh, absolutely. So um, I'll talk about, <clears throat> I love to talk about uh, Darren and the, and the awesome, courageous teachers at his school who really embraced, um, hey, you know, we can do things different. So, so Darren's school is, and we did some of this, but they have perfected it. And I'm going to encourage, if you're listening to this podcast, please check out Darren's middle school. Uh, they have visits regularly. Um, he, the, I took the tour. It is fantastic. There's, Greg, their students pick their courses. They pick their classes. They it's all per, it's, it's personalized. Uh, you'll see them use technology to enhance how they demonstrate learning and, and how they research and access how they access information. Um, you'll see students who are you'll see students who will be more globally competitive and competent at that middle school than you probably will at some universities and colleges. They're connecting to global to global issues and global uh, to, to global leaders around the world, and 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 they're creating and doing different things. So uh, it is true empowerment. It's true empowerment. Uh, at my middle school uh, in in North, my last middle school in North Carolina, you know, we did a lot. We did compassion based. Uh, we did some compassion projects where students were we put them on a mission to change a life, change a community, or change the world, and we were seeing some great things from the kids and they were, they were picking their own courses. Um, we, we start personalizing uh, how students could demonstrate their learning. And, and it just, that just brings out joy and competence in kids. You know, I tell you one of the biggest things, and this, this is one of the things, one of the biggest things that I love to say is let's stop, let's stop doing classroom management. Stop focusing on classroom management and do this, sit down and quiet and blah, 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 blah. And then focus on building fantastic cultures where kids want to come, where learners want to come in um, and they can't wait to, to demonstrate their learning. They can't wait to showcase what they've created. They can't wait to share and ask some thoughtful questions for each other. You know, we, we shoot ourselves in the foot when we think of contain or when we think negative thoughts like these kids aren't ready for this because whatever, or uh, because it's all fear-based. And, and we, we, per, we perpetuate the cycle of fear by saying, by hearing people say that, that they're not ready, by believing that, and then by putting things in place and then by continuously hearing. Instead of saying, man, I'm gonna look at these kids in front of me and I'm gonna build a great culture and we're gonna, and we're gonna create a culture of innovation we're going to create a culture of empowerment. We're going to create a culture of inqui of, of inquisition. Um, we're going to create a culture of creation. You know, just do some bold, 
creative things, you know? Um, and, and, and again, we talk about what we've done at, at our middle schools and it's, and it's doable and possible. But again, there are revolutionary tales in the book for other, edu other educators as well. And there are some great examples in the book. So um, I, I think that's very valuable as school leaders and educators throughout the landscape are, are looking at that and looking for new ideas. Uh, you've referred to yourself as a student-centered agitator. I think that's even part of your Twitter, Twitter profile. And that just, that just makes me so happy, Derek, when I see something like that. Because too many times um, as adults in buildings, we, we really lose sight on what's important. And that is we have to create student-centered classrooms and student-centered schools. So just talk about why you're so passionate about that piece. Yeah, and you know, this is a, that's a tricky part. And uh, our people listening to this, um, <clears throat> this is my, I've been a middle school principal for nine years. Uh, it's, it's great, rewarding, hard work. I've been a, um, an assistant principal for four, a teacher for eight. <clears throat> um, so, so guys, I get it. I, this. It's, it's good hard work. We adults, but adults go to the school. Adults go go to school, go to their job, and and we believe in the best. We believe in that adults have the best interests of kids at the, at heart. Okay, we don't we don't think anybody wakes up with evil intent by any means. But all that fear that we hear uh, and and receive about middle school or school in general, where we got to come in and it's got to be tight schedules and, and we got to have them seated uh, seated in rows and um, everybody has to be on the same page. All that stuff uh, propagates propagates fear, and it leads to adult-centered procedures and thinkings and mindsets to be in place. So all this fear we hear makes adults look for other adults to have desks in rows and butts in desks and quiet at a certain time. Uh, and, and think about that quiet. Think about how much, think about what we know about the brain and learning and how unproductive and how unhelpful quiet is to learning. Greg, you know, you're not talking. Um, I know that you're, you're a big Kentucky, <laughs> you're a big Kentucky fan. Um, I learned, I learned so much from your personality and I'm able to, to fill in some gaps just, just from conversation. That doesn't happen in a quiet classroom. So, we have to take the, that adult centerpiece out and we got to make it about what does that learner need? What does that learner's, how truly, how does that learner's brain need? And then let's get, let's get very real about it. The different learner brains in, in the room. Some people, some, some learners like quiet. Some learners leave me alone in the quiet and I'm good. Or, hey, you know, I know we got this work to do, but if me and my friend talk it out, then we can come up with something great. Cool, you do your thing. Or, Greg, you know, I can, I, it's Monday and I had a bad weekend because, um, <clears throat> we had a bad weekend because we got kicked out of, the, out, of our, out of our apartment. You know, whatever, however that works. Um, I can't, no adult would in their right mind or heart would put that child on the schedule to say, no, it doesn't matter what your life is. You got to learn and produce just like everybody else on a particular schedule. That's, that's not how, not how the brain or the heart or the mind or anything works. So we got to take all these adult practice, these adult strictures and guidelines and just put them in perspective 
to what's the most important thing in, in the what's the most important why are we here we're, we're not schools aren't here for adults schools are here for kids schools are here for learners not kids schools are here for learners uh adults are the most important adults are the important people in the building now don't get me wrong so because adults make it happen but we are there for that learner and his or her needs and his or her brain and his or her mind and heart um so it all goes towards um getting making it less about adults making it more about the learners and that's a tough that's a tough conversation to have you know um <clears throat> when you get to a lot of practices that adults are good at excuse me adults are very good at everybody in your in your desk and everybody quiet that's i'm good and comfortable with that because <clears throat> i've had I've had years to practice that as a student. I practiced that in college as a student teacher. And I'm ready for that. I see, I see, and I see great examples on TV. The, you know, the one classroom schoolhouse. Uh, but now it's time for me to, but so now I want to implement my comfort level as opposed to, hey, you know, the brain actually actually says I learn when I talk. I learn when my hands get 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 dirty um i i personally work i personally uh do am very productive when i'm standing up and when i'm standing up so put me in the seat is i'm okay for it but you know we talk about it in the book we talk about this in the book the brain can take the, the brain is going to learn only to the capacity where the butt is comfortable when the butt needs to get up and move the brain is, is about to shut down so, um, yeah, we, uh, that's what I appreciate about Darren is that we're both, we both love our teachers, but we center on our students. Yeah. And I love the conversation about the brain research and, um, you know, you could check out Derek's, uh, website. He, he writes a blog at, uh, McCoyDerek.com. You also want to follow him on Twitter at McCoyDerek. but we think about kids today. We Generation Z students, and I don't think we spend enough time talking about what their needs are in a school setting. And I, I'll say this to I'm blue in the face. What that means is, kids want and deserve a different learning experience. So that means teachers are going to be the ones that have to change. The role of the teacher has to change. And if Alexa and Siri are a child's best two teachers, we have a real problem. Agreed. And. <laughs> that was and that was a, a, a very packed uh, but succinct statement that you just made right there. That was awesome. So yeah, um, yeah, we have a we have adults who are who are leery or uh, hesit <clears throat> hesitant to let go of the great learning experiences that they had as learners. So we have a saying. Uh, we have a, a saying as revolutionaries. Don't be the teacher you had as a student. Be the revolutionary your learners need. So, because a sixth grader in 2019, totally different needs and capabilities. And that's the other point. Needs and capabilities of a sixth grader from 20, 30, 40 years ago. And I put my, and I, I say that because, because that was absolutely me, you know. Uh, I had great middle school teachers. I love every, every one of them. I can name about. I can call them out by name today. Uh, my mom was a paraprofessional in my school, so um, 
I had good relationships with, with those adults, but there's no way that we can bring that experience to a classroom today because we, our kids can automatically do so much. I wrote a blog post a while ago and this was, oh man. Um, so this is maybe seven years ago. I was at middle school principal supervising football game and uh, you know, a parent brought their elementary child to the, um, to the game, to the game to watch her big brother play. And, but she had homework, she had math homework. She was working some problems and she reached in her mom's purse and pulled out a flip phone. And I'm telling you, she put, she put a flip phone, went to the calculator and knocked out her homework in about 10 minutes. I took a picture of it. I wrote a blog about it. And I said, good for her. That's awesome. Why am I, why is she wasting time with this humdrum? They have resources. They have resources that can do the humdrum design better let our job now like you like you just said greg our job now is to design better grander learning experiences for our learners so that who cares if they have a calculator everybody's going to have a calculator now there's a calculator there's a calculator on my smartwatch there's a calculator there's a calculator everywhere forget the calculator if you're doing work that, if, if the bulk of your work, if the thrust of your work is calculator-based, you're doing the wrong work. You don't, you're doing the wrong work. Uh, what are we doing to make kids have conversations and to think and to reach out and to ask deeper questions? So we have to let a lot of that go. And we can't vilify technology. But now, um, you know, I was a national digital principal for 2014. And people want to pigeonhole me, uh, pigeonhole us, and say, oh, you guys are techies. Well, we are, I guess for the most part, we, we, we like technology, but, you know, don't ask me, don't ask me about shortcuts on this MacBook, because you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> I ain't got it. Um, but we, all of us embrace the role that technology has now in transforming learning and what and how it allows students to access information, demonstrate learning, connect to global learning. You know, um, we have a chapter in the book about, about globalization, uh, about global learning. Darren wrote it. I encourage you to read it. His kids are doing some fantastic things with some, uh, Darren's in South Dakota, right? Like you said, his kids are doing some magnificent work with, uh, uh, plastics pollutions in the oceans and they're going to international conferences and presenting on that that's not gonna that's not gonna happen if we vilify technology okay it has its place and it's not a it's not a one room that you go to it's how we integrate that into our learning scape it's how we integrate that and how we and how we set those boundaries we um we we have such a fear about about all about technology and because because we hear uh, we hear some horror stories horror stories do happen but they're few and far between and especially in the scape in the scope of all the great learning that happens in school you know um as principals when, when, when i was taught about when i was learning about discipline i learned about the this pyramid of discipline where and, and it's almost like if you think about rti rti has this uh that, that pyramid where green, the bottom part is 80%, and then that 
the middle part is 15% and then that top part is uh, 5%. That's how, that's how discipline is. 80% of your kids are doing everything that are doing it right. And you never hear from them. 15% of your kids, every now and then, you know, they'll poke, they'll poke the bear deck, I think. You spend your time on the 5%. You spend your time on your 5%. Are you going to hamper or not even try to build a culture of innovation, of creation, build a culture of um, just magnificent participation and research because of 5% of your kids? Of course not, you know, and find a way, find a way to, to reach them and, and treat their hearts because technology is here. So I remember somebody saying, and I'm a middle school math teacher. I, math teachers, middle school math teachers do it by the numbers. So if you're a math, math teacher right there, uh, shout out to you. So I remember saying, well, what if somebody doesn't have a calculator? What, what happens when the day when, they, when we don't have the internet or what happens if they don't have a calculator? What are you talking about? <laughs> it, it, is, it is here. A calculator is everywhere. Um, Greg, you ever been somewhere and the internet shut down? Yeah. Who freaks out more, students or teachers? Teachers lose their minds, lose their minds. Um, it's, it's the adults. It's the adults. The kids, the kids are getting it. The kids are getting it. We, when we start rethinking and, and refocusing our efforts on the cultures that we want to build, how we want learners to learn, how we want them to showcase their learning and what we want them to see, then all this other stuff, all these other fears, they, they're going to they're gonna fall into place. And, and, and we're going to realize and see a whole lot different and better. So it, 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 it can happen. We can't vilify technology. Yeah, and I think that's well said. And it, it kind of makes me reflect on something that happened to me recently. Uh, I was traveling here in central Kentucky. Uh, I had a meeting and uh, I cannot get to point from point A to point B without Google Maps. Uh, that's, that's how I live. Uh, I, I'm directionally challenged. Right. Uh, and I got into a rural area in the mountains and I lost my cell reception. And I just, I got probably as lost as I've ever been lost before. And uh, luckily I made it to my meeting on time, but I remember coming home and telling my wife, I've got to buy a Rand McNally to put in my glove compartment in case <laughs> that happens again. So right. too, too many times I think we, we tie technology to innovation, but that doesn't have to be the case. There are a lot of innovative practices that take place in the classroom without a digital tool. Oh, with, uh, Greg, uh, Greg, I'm loving, I'm loving our talk right now. Yes. So, um, you're right. When we think technology, I mean, when we think innovation or we think um, next level, we want to make it about technology when it's not. You know, remember a couple of years ago? Well, no, it's not even a couple of years ago because it's still kind of going on now, but um, but maybe not to a, a great degree. Remember all the work people were doing with duct tape? Yeah. So how creative can you get with duct tape? Duct tape, cardboard, Legos, it's not about connecting to the internet. It's about here, here inquisitive sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. I'm gonna push this in front of you. What can you do amaze me? You know, which is which leads into a great piece, and, and this is another this is another chapter in the book. <clears throat> it's a chapter in the book, but we talk about it throughout the book, and that's maker spaces. You know, um, you know, Greg, me growing up. 
uh, my makerspace was <laughs> going up to my going up to my brother's friend's house and us working on the engine and him showing me how to work on a carburetor, you know, do, doing those kinds of things and tinkering about that kind of thing. Or uh, I saw, I didn't, I didn't participate in this, but I saw somebody put a lawnmower engine on a chassis and that was a go-kart. Just, just cool stuff. So how creative can you get? This, that is the piece that we need to, that we have to start tapping into instead of this fact regurgitation mindset that we have uh, do you know how to multiply two, three-digit numbers, or when was this, and what are the three steps in that? Um, let's create some some awesome maker spaces and see what happens. You know, um, so I want to give a shout out to a good friend, uh, Glenn Robbins, um, <clears throat> and at the time, well, you know, Glenn's a fantastic superintendent. Now, when I first met him, he was a middle school principal. Uh, he had Kevin Jarrett working in the school, and they they had this innovation design class that was just fantastic. Kids coming in, going through the steps of design thinking, and and, and just making these great creations. Darren is doing that on another great level in his school right now, just to going through the five steps. And, and Darren Darren wrote the chapter on uh, maker spaces, and and we also and he also talks about his efforts with. The, what he went through to learn design thinking and how he implemented that. He even teaches that uh, to some sixth graders. Um, <clears throat> so it, it has nothing to do with technology. It, it's just the process. You know, um, I, I've learned from him that, that it's about whiteboarding. You know, whiteboarding is an essential and a critical part in that process where, where we just get out and we just brainstorm. It, it's not about the internet. That's just about two or three students in front of a whiteboard having a great conversation. I'm pulling the best out of you. You pull the best out of me. And then we're going to create something even better. That is how we solve problems in the world. It's not about, it, you can't do that by asking Siri. And I love you said that. <laughs> you can't do that by asking Siri anything. Okay, Google, how do we solve this problem? Uh, not so much. The, if we're doing it right, if we're doing it in our best ways, kid, sorry about that. I, I said Google and my phone went off. <laughs> um, if we're doing it right, kids are asking each other the tougher, the, the tougher questions that we tougher questions that we could come up with, and they're putting in honest effort and getting to some great uh, solutions. So th that's where we are. We got to tap in that creativity. Um, it's, it's not about it's not about technology. Uh, please, please don't don't vilify technology. Please don't put it in a don't 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 have a net, the wrong mindset about it. Uh, it has its place now. It truly has its place. Like like you said, um, who you know? I remember my dad being uh, just having a steel trap and driving to all the cities and knowing where everything was and all this kind of stuff, which. You know, I, I know how to navigate cities too, but I'll tell you one thing, I don't remember street names like he did. I, right. I don't remember street names. I, I truly don't. Um if you ask me if you tell if you ask me how to get somewhere, I tell you to this light, that light, this that church, this kind of thing, but I don't I don't remember street names. Um my that's what my phone is for. That's what my phone is for. And I tell people and and and, and some some people say, Aren't you getting lazy doing that? I'm like, no, that's that's that phone's job. 
my job is to uh, our job now is to now that the phone has freed us up, let's have el more elevated conversations about some of the things. Yeah, and again, that's something that we could talk about all night long. It's great, great conversation. And I, I think the last piece that I want to talk about is I know you're also very passionate about collaborative learning spaces, and that's another huge piece to the puzzle. And I, I actually heard you uh, say on another podcast interview that you did, you talked about removing lockers in your school and going to a genius bar. And as we talk about technology and its place in the school, if you're not charged up, you can't do anything. So my question is, what does a genius bar look like in your middle school? Okay, so um, that, was, that was my school. That was Westerland Middle School. Uh, shout, out to, shout out to Westerland Middle Bulldogs. Um, I was there for, for three years. We did some fantastic things. So when I joined them, that was their second year in a one-to-one. -one. That was their second year in a one-to-one -one when I joined them. So I came on, and my first year was kind of, you know, us just kind of normalizing and like, hey, guys, it's all good. It's going to be okay. But then, obviously, we have to start pushing some, some learner-centered questions, you know. So one of the observances, we had a space in the middle of our hallway that truly there were some lockers there. When the school was when the school had a had a larger population, there were some lockers there, and we didn't need them, so we so we just moved them out. And Greg, and I tell you that when we moved them out, it was it was literally what can we put here that that's going to make a difference? Um, we put some some cafe tables up there. We put just a little shelf. I mean, nothing fancy, just just a little shelf there, and just told teachers, hey, you got some kids, got some. Got some kids you trust and they want to do some work, let them come out here and do, do some work. And then, then we, uh, the, the conversation extended on the hallways. Like, again, we have locker banks that we don't need. Let's take them out. Let's put in, let's put a genius bar here. Let's put whiteboards up here. Let's put two whiteboards up here. Let's put some markers here. Let's put some stools here. Um, well, who's going to watch the kids? Well, you know, you you create the culture in your classroom to where um, you send kids out or, or the kids, you know, you send kids out that you trust or or even start building relationships with the ones that you don't trust so that we can trust them. Because um, nothing happens unless we build relationships. So as we went through that, you know, there was a lot of, there was obviously a lot of, uh, so, so we brought in all this, all this furniture, we brought in all these spaces. Um, and there was a, there was a lot of hesitation, a lot of hesitation, a lot of what ifs going on. But at the end of the year, I, when I tell you no problems, no problems, no problems. And that's not Derek McCoy, that's teachers. That's, that's, that's teachers just having love conversation with kids like, hey, hey I love you guys high expectations for your behaviors if if you ask to go i'm going to let you go but if you go represent us well and 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 nothing happened yeah just truly nothing happened um so great so so those and those spaces which became um, prolific throughout the school now one thing that we did that um and this and this, and this is what started the turn for it uh, we're, we're at a middle school, sixth grade had its own hall, seventh grade had its own hall, eighth grade had its own hall, you know, that kind of setup. 
um, there was an empty classroom on every hallway. My first year there, we gave them, we gave the teachers a design challenge. Turn this empty classroom into a learning collaborative space that any student can go into and do work. So the PTO gave, gave all the grade level $500. You had teachers getting as creative as they could, you know, uh, I'm gonna say borrowing crates from behind a store. Uh, somebody straight up, straight up stole a bench from somewhere or buying some furniture off, off of um, Craigslist, it, all this kind of stuff. <clears throat> These are just, and then they just transformed into spaces that kids could go to and do work. Um, who watches them? Uh, what if they, no problem. Which, and this is what I love about, about, about me and Darren was, you know, I, I, the only thing that Darren and I have in common is that we, we were both born and raised on a farm. I was born and raised on a farm here in Georgia, him in South Dakota, and that's about it. <laughs> that's, that's about it. Um, but we had such powerful experiences with trusting staff and students and trying some different things and seeing some fantastic results that, you know, we had to, had to put this book out. And, and um, we, we just encourage people to see the value of, of don't, we don't just trust blindly. We create circumstances and then we, we ask that we make sure that the teachers are creating the buzz, uh, the, no, creating the, the, the cultures that we need. To, to have and see. So it's, it's great stuff. It really is. It really is. The name of the book again is the revolution. It's time to empower change in our schools and uh, it's fantastic read. You, again, you want to jump out there and you want to get that. So Derek, the time really flies by and I want to thank you so much for being here. I do want to give you a final thought. Uh, we talked a little bit before we came on air. You are writing another book and uh, I'm hoping you can tease that one a little bit for our listeners. <laughs> uh, I certainly am. I um, we're all the we're the sum total of all our experiences. Um, I I am here where I am because of the adults that that helped that, that were a critical part of my life. Um, as black male, um, born on a farm, um, not really <laughs> born <laughs> raised on the farm. I should say, I was born in a hospital. Little joke, um, <clears throat> but um, you know, there. Growing up, I saw inequities in how students are treated, you know, and 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 what happens uh, in, in the classroom, unintentional, but systemic. As an adult, as a as a um, as a teacher, as an administrator, there are still there are still. Um, times or there's still times when not everyone gets gets the fair shake or gets gets the same thing uh, equity is not always equality and equality doesn't always serve doesn't always serve serve all the learners so this book gets into gets into a lot of that <clears throat> it gets into um it's, it's not a very deep historic look, but it is a look into what we do. And, and, and hopefully it's, it's very reflective. 
But then I also go back to my roots, and that is to uh, what can we do now? What, what, what can we do now? What's being done now to reach, to reach more kids, uh, to make sure that the kid, that learners, all learners are advancing. And, and, it's not, and it's not that everybody is going to get A's or whatever your high metric is or how that works, but everybody can grow. Everybody grows. Are we making sure that everybody's growing? Are we making sure that everybody's achieving? And, and it's not creating a false metric either. You know, it's not print off a certificate for everybody. Nobody's getting into that. Um, this is about our beliefs and what we do as adults and making sure that every student is getting what he or she needs. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it will be, it might be doing some unconventional things. It might be re-looking re at some things. Um, but it's 2019, man. It's time. You know, it's, it's just time to do that. So, yeah. And I'm looking forward to reading that and learning more about that project because we, we certainly need to have more of those conversations uh, along the way. And I hope to have some of those conversations here on the podcast. So when that book comes out, uh, I'd love to have you back. Great. Uh, you made my day reaching out to me. So, so brother, anytime, man, thank you so much. I'm so honored that, that you reached out to me. So anytime. Well, I'm great to finally get to meet you and talk face-to-face. -face. I'm a big fan of your work. And again, folks, jump out and get the book. Follow Derek on Twitter at McCoy Derek. Check out the website, McCoyDerek.com. There's a lot of great stuff there. So as we wrap it up, folks, thanks for listening. And as always, do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids.